Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezrat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Nun Ches in Maseches Yuma. But we start on Nun Zayin, nine lines up from the bottom, the two dots. Eir Adam HaPailatoch Dama Seir. We're talking about the end of the Mishnah. So now we've finished the uh, Hazah, the spritzing, and the Mishnah relates that the Kohen Gadol cleared the soup. That's what it sounds like. He, when you clear soup on Shabbos, you pour all the leftover soup from the various bowls into one bowl, and then you stack them, and then you put it away. So that's what it sounds like, right? It says you had the dam, one bowl that had dam hapar, gispacho. All right. I don't want to get carried away with the soup analogy, but you had the dam hapar in one bowl. You had the dam seir in another bowl. Right? You use most of it for the hazah. Then you pour the dam hapar from the, the bowl, from the, the, from the bowl into the bowl that had the dam hasa'ir and thus emptying the bowl of the dam hapar. And then you stack them. You put the mixture, right? The bowl with the mixture in it into the empty bowl and you take it away. That's what it sounds like. The end of the avoda. So the first thing that the, that the Gemara is going to say is it's going to relate it to a Tanaic machlokas that sounds similar but is a little bit different as follows. It says, Tznan, Kemanda Amr Ma'arvin Lakranos. That the, our Mishnah is going according to the Manda Amr that says that when we do, what's Lakranos? This is not the Hazas Saddam, but the Nesina Saddam. The Nesina Saddam, this happened when you put the, did the internal Right? Remember we talked about the par karin mashiach, the par helam davar shotzibur, the different karbanos chattas that you brought, right, when in the inner mizbech, there are only about five of them, I think it was, in the inner mizbech that we did. Now the inner mizbech, by the way, this will become relevant in today's daf, whereas the outer mizbech, as we described at great length already in our, in our mesechta, there was large, it had a nice big ramp, you walked up, it was like ten amas high, you walked around it, the inner Mizbech was like a mini Israel Mizbech. It was made out of gold, the Mizbech Azov. And you could literally just stand on top of it. It was maybe like up to your knees. You could stand on top of it and literally uh, place the dam on all four corners without having to walk or move at all, as we will see. So it was a much smaller Mizbech. Anyway, that Mizbech he did in Sina Saddam. That happened during the inner uh, Korbanus that we described. And also uh, the Kohen Gadol did it on Yom Kippur. So after... Again, after you do the Hazar Saddam, you do what's called the Nesina Saddam, which is the smearing of the blood on the corners of the inner Mizbeach, right? That inner Mizbeach, as we recall, is in the Heichal, right? It's inside the Kodesh, not in the Kodesh Kodeshim, it's between the Menorah and the Shulchan, right? So it's, and, and it's oriented sort of like towards the middle of the, uh, the Heichal. So what, what's the Machlokas there? So there's the Machlokas regarding whether Again, when you did it on Yom Kippur, so you have the bowl of the par seir, uh, of the par and the, of the blood of the par and the blood of the seir. And the question is, do you do two separate nesinos, two separate applications of the blood, one with the blood of the par and one with the blood of the seir? Or do you mix the blood of the par and the blood of the seir and do one application with that mixture? Why would you think one way or the other? Well, for that, you have to look at the Pasuk. The Pasuk says, Hashem. We'll discuss that part of the Pasuk soon. But after he finishes the Avodah in the Kodesh Kadashim, the Kohen Gadol describes the Torah. 
the Kohen Gadol goes out towards the Mizbech Azov, we're talking about here, Asher Lifnei Hashem, that's how we know that's Mizbech Azov, and V'chiper Alav, and here we go, V'lakach Midam Hapar U'midam Hasair. He takes from the Dam Hapar and Dam Hasair. So what does that mean? That he takes individually from the Dam Hapar and Dam Hasair and does the application with each one individually? Or does it mean that he takes from both of them puts it in a mixture and does only one application with that mixture, that becomes a machloket. So it actually, for that, it makes sense to say that our Mishnah, our Mishnah makes it sound like right after he does the Hazah Sadam, which means that it's before he does the Nesina Sadam in the, in the inner Mizbeach, he mixes the Dam Apar and Dam Asir, and therefore it's very relevant to say that our Mishnah is going according to the Shita that says that you use a mixture. After all, right, if he held that you have to use only the blood of the par and the blood of the seer separately, then you would not be mixing it at this point. You would still keep it separate. Okay, so so he says our Mishnah is like the uh, the Manda Amar who holds that you use the mixture lekronos. And now we're going to quote the Machlokas. The Itmar. Now there's a discussion about this lashon because really it's a Machlokas tonight. Itmar usually refers to Machlokas Amaraim. Be that as it may, we have Machlokas uh, tonight here. Right, because it's a tnan. Rabbi Yoshi, Rabbi Yonisan. Chad Amar me Arvin, Chad Amar ain me Arvin, and it's based on this pasuk. Right, so we're gonna go. The question is, who holds what? It doesn't say yet. So the Gemara is gonna investigate that. The Gemara assumes to stayim the Rabbi Yosha who the Amar me Arvin. That our mission is, is going like Rabbi Yosha, who says that we are me Arv the two bloods of the seir and the par, and then do one application of that mixture. How do we know that? The Amar, because Rabbi Yoshia and Rabbi Yonason actually had a very similar machlokas in a different context. As follows. This is a general question with regards to how to read a pasuk. Does the pasuk have to say yachdav? In other words, yachdav would certainly mean that you use a mixture. That's what Rabbi Yonason holds. However, what does it mean when it says, So Rabbi holds that when it says, it lists the two things individually, but even though it doesn't say Yachdav, it means that you take it together. It should be understood as follows. What's the context where they had that Machlokas? Rashi points out, this is that where the, where the Rashis get a little wider at the bottom, he quotes the Brisa in Sanhedrin with regards to Cursing your parents, chas v'shalom. Ish, my mother got here last night, by the way, for for Chanah graduation. Picked her up. So ish asher yikalel es aviv esimo. So the pasuk says, just like it says with regards to the dama par and dama seir, es aviv esimo. So what does that mean? So in Sanhedrin, in the Brisa, they said there's a havamina. The havamina is according to Rabbi Yosha, there's a havamina that when it says yikalel es aviv esimo, the only chayev for cursing your parents when you curse them both. Otherwise, you're not going to be chayev. Meaning, if you only if you only rip on mom, you're not going to be chayev. You have to rip on both parents. So that is the hava mina. And the truth is that's not the halacha, neither according to Rabbi Yosha or according to Rabbi Yonason. But Rabbi Yosha needs a limud, right? It needs to say Talmud Lomar. We learn from somewhere else that it's not the case that even if you only curse chas v'shalom one of your parents, that you are going to be chayev. But be that as it may, we see that Rabbi Yosha has a hava mina that you have to curse both parents in order to be chayev, and despite the fact that the Pasuk does not say yachdov. In other words, the Pasuk only says, ish, asher yikalel es aviv esimo, and Rabbi Yoshe, without the limud, may have thought that you 
need to curse both parents in order to be chayiv. So similarly here, when it says, right, es damaparve, es damaseir, right, midam hapar, umidamaseir, as it were, uh, there, similarly too, Rabbi Yosha is the one that assumes, despite the lack of the word yachtav, assume that it's referring to a mixture, and therefore he should be the Tana of our Mishnah, who says that you mix it together, because that's how he understands the Pasuk by, uh, by cursing your parents, and that's how he understands, therefore it would stand to reason that that's how he understands the, the Pasuk with regards to the, the Dam application. Gemara has a quick uh, deflection of that proof that maybe it's not true that it then rejects as follows the Gemara says maybe it could even be Rabbi maybe Ish Es Aviv is different because shiny it's different over here because over here it says this is in Shmos with regards to talking about the enemy's Be'ach in the context of those in the scene of Saddam, it says, that he does this application once a year. So you could say, wait a minute, once a year, that just means once a year. That doesn't mean that you bring a mixture of the par dama par and dama seir, but it kind of does, because when it says once a year, there is an allusion to the fact that he only does it once. In other words, if he was doing the Dam Hapar and Dam Asir individually, then in, technically he'd be doing it twice, right? He'd be doing two applications. So the fact that he says he'd do it only once could, might even tell Rabbi Yonason, right, who usually says that the two psukim not saying Yachtav means that it's separate, the Achas might bring you back together even for Yonason. That, so, so it's not necessarily that you could bring from the Chlokas and Sanhedrin, um, and carry it over to the Machlokas over here. However, we end up digging up a brysa that's beferish, saying that our mission is like Rabbi Yosha as follows. Says the Gemara, Tanya Tanya We have a brysa not like this suggestion that it could be according to Rabbi Yonasan. And the brysa says as follows, quote, You take from a mixture of the power of the Seir, Shayumo Ravin, Diva Rabiosha, there it is. The Rabiosha is the one, in fact, that holds the Dimra Ravin. So now we've identified him as that Tana, and we finally arrive in the Chesamad Aleph, and Rabiosha, right, that you take from each one individually, and therefore do two applications. So we have a Ofenabraisa that teaches us that Rabiosha is the author of our Mishnah, who says that it's mixed. To which the Braisa, just continuing with that Braisa, Amal Rabiosha, Valokvar Nemar Achas. Now, Rabbi Yosha says to Rabbi Yonasan, right, so now that we've dug up this word achas, it's, uh, it's astonishing that Rabbi Yonasan would hold that you could actually apply it separately. It says that you only bring it once. So, Amalor Rabbi Yonasan, Rabbi Yonasan's answer is as follows. Listen, this quotation of midam hapar, midam separately is so, quote, is so, um, right, it's so revealing that it must mean that you do two applications. So what are you going to do with the word achas? achas, asks the That you only do the application for each of the bloods once. But, but you do both applications, once with the dama par and once with the dama seir. Uh, Tosos quotes the Ritva who asks, what would be the havamina that you do it twice with each one? How could that be? Uh, so the Ritva says, and we're going to see it soon actually, in a few Dapim, that there is a machlokas, what to do, or there is a conversation, uh, discussion, what to do, if you, let's say, started doing the Nasinus Adam, and you tripped over your own feet, and, and you dropped all the Dham. 
So you're, you're, in, you're in real trouble when you do that because there's no other source of the Dhamma par, let's say. The only way to get more Dhamma par, Andrew, is to kill another par. You got to bring out Tzvi Holland and start shechting again. And that, in fact, is what you do. The question is, you already did some Nasina. Do you have to go back and start all over again in the case where you spilled all the Dhamma par? And so this, says Rabbi Achas teaches you that no, that once you started, all you have to do is, com- is continue and complete the avoda. You don't start all over. It's a very unique din over here for what you would think would be a very uh, isolated situation that hardly ever happens. But be that as it may, that's how Rabbi Yonasan learned the word achas, and he's good, and he says that the par and the seir's dam are applied separately. Fine. Let's quote, let, let's say, uh, relate another related b'risa. So we have another b'risa that says that you take from both of them, and there we go, like Rabbi Yosher, that it's mixed. You might have thought that you bring it like Rabbi Yonasan, just the Damapar and the Damasir separately, but the Pasuk says achas, so that's a stam. Brisa, meaning it's an anonymous source, and the Gemara concludes with the obvious, uh, with the obvious idea that Ustama Karabiosha, that this anonymous Brisa, in fact, follows the opinion of Yosha. It sounds like that's how we paskin. That's what our Mishnah says, and so now you know that you use the mixture of the Dam Paradamasir when doing the Nasina Saddam. We good, Barry? Okay, ten lines down, two dots. Next idea: stacking. So. Once you put the mixture of the Dhammapar and the Dhammasair, after you finish the Zrika and in preparation of the Nasina, you stack the bowls, right? Nasan is a Malay Birekan. You took, you put the, um, the full bowl in the empty bowl. The Gemara asks an interesting question. Bomine Rami Barchama, our favorite, right? Shira, uh, Schmidtman's, uh, PhD thesis subject, Rami Barchama. What's the question here? This is a different stage, right? In other words, we're talking at the end, once you've done the Zrika already, and you're about to do the Nasina, you stack the bowls. Okay. But what if you, when you did the original Kabbalah Saddam, in other words, you're standing there in front of the shechted animal, and all the dam is, is spilling out, and you catch it in the bowl. Can the bowls be stacked then? Well, why yes, why no? Ask the Gemar, min bemino chotzitz or eino chotzitz? Is there an idea of chatzitza with regards to the bowls? Why would there be chatzitza? Because remember, your hands, the coin Gadol's hands, as it were, are holding the bottom bowl. And so they could, one could argue that then the bowl that's stacked on top of it is serving as a chatzitza between the dam and your hands. And it could be that in doing the avoda, you can't have any separation whatsoever. As Tosfos points out over here, the first line, aval she'ino mino In other words, if the coin Gadol was wearing, let's say, gloves, so then he wouldn't, it wouldn't be, it, it would certainly be assumed that that would be a chatzitza. He cannot wear gloves, right? Uh, I'm taking CE courses for, for you know, my license. It's talking about handling wastes. You have to wear, like, special gloves for certain waste removal. Anyway, he's, he's wearing these barriers on his hands, that would be a chatzitza, that would be a problem. So if the gloves are a problem, why wouldn't an extra bowl stacked be a problem? Well, the havamina that would be okay is that it's what's called min bimino. As Rashi explains here, min bimino, the second line, mizrak b'mizrak, as Birnbaum points out, this is like defined by its functionality, perhaps, as opposed to its material. Be that as it may, 
it's min bimino, two bowls. Is it a chatzitza or not? So Rav Chista, uh, uh, well, says, well, our Mishnah makes it sound like not, right? Amalei, Rav Chista answered to Rami Barchama, Tznisua, we learned in our Mishnah that Nasan is Amalei Berekan. Right, that you actually stack the bowls and you're still doing an avoda, right? You're about to do nasina, so obviously it's not a problem. My love, hoshiv mizrak, mizrak raikan. Does that not mean? I mean, that's what I thought it meant, right? That you mix the. That's what we all thought until now. That you mix the two bloods of the seer and the par, and then you stack the bowls like you're clearing soup, and then you go ahead and you do the nasina, which would imply that the bowl is not a chatzitzah and it's fine. But the Gemara says, no, we misunderstood the Mishnah. Says the Gemara, lo, era mizrak molali toch mizrak reikon. It doesn't mean that you stack the bowls. It means that you pour the dam par dabsir into one bowl, and then once it's all poured into one bowl, you pour that into the other bowl, and then you just take that bowl as a single bowl. Says the Gemara, however, hatanale reisha era dam par toch damasir. We already said that we pour both the dam par and damasir into one bowl. And the implication here in the Gemara is, why then would you take that mixture and pour it into the second bowl? Why would you do that? What is the purpose of such an activity? Says the Gemara, You want to mix it, right? These are two different kinds of blood. They can coagulate easily. They don't necessarily mix that easily. And so we're doing an extra pouring in order to get an extra mixing in there. And therefore, our mission is not really a riot with regards to this issue of chatzitza, because it turns out our mission, we're not actually stacking the bowls, after all. We are using one bowl and pouring it into the other, and we're only using one bowl, so it's not a data point to suggest one way or the other with regards to this issue of chatzitza. So, but we're going to keep at it and try to figure out what the chatzitza answer is going to be. From a Mishnah in Zvachim, as follows. Tashma says the Gemara. All right. Uh, Andrew, we have to believe that Barry did this unintentionally, but he was doing the avoda and he stood on Andrew's leg. That's really mean. Uh, this is already once the boot is off, obviously. But, but sh- sh- the, you should have a full shleim of So he's standing on Andrew's bad leg. The avoda of Barry is puzzle. Why is the avoda puzzle? Because he's not allowed to stand on somebody else's leg. Well, that's a mean bimino. It's Barry's leg. Uh, assuming he was a coin and assuming a lot of things. Anyways, Barry's leg on top of Andrew's leg, one would say that that is a uh, min bimino and maybe it shouldn't be a chatzitza. Says the Gemara, no. Shiny rega dolomatsi mevatele. That even though Andrew had his foot in a boot for a while, now that it's out, he's not mevatel. He wants his foot back. He owns it. Rashi. In other words, yes, it's min bimino in the sense that they're both feet, but... Andrew is not mevater on his foot. He wants his foot. And therefore, it's not considered like min bimino. It's part of Andrew. And therefore, that is not a riot. The fact that that's a chatzitza is not a riot for the min bimino question. Okay, so let's keep going. Some say, so that, that's the end of that, that particular discussion. But there's another version of it where Rabbi Bachama asked as follows. There is a version of a brisa where Rami Barachama asks of Chista the following question: Derech sheres bekach or ein derech sheres bekach? Where the question was not one of chatzitza; it was rather one of whether this is proper, right? Just like on a shidduch resume, it says whether the family stacks bowls when they clear soup or not. So similarly here, is it proper uh, etiquette to stack bowls in the base of mikdash? Is it appropriate, right? So, so he says like this: Tashma. The Tanah the Bei Rabbi Shmuel, we learn the Brisa. It says, "As Kol Klei Hasharis Asher Yisharsu Vambakodesh." Look at the pasuk closely. It says, "It Kol Klei Hasharis, multiple Klees, 
sounds like you're doing one sheiris. As the Gemara says, sounds like stacking in its own right is not a problem. So in fact, if you have a resume, a family, it says that they stack, you should not hold it against them, Andrew, because in the base of Mikdash itself, you could do avoda with stacked kalim. Multiple kalim, one share is fine. Now, another question of Rami Barchama. Okay, so we didn't really get um, a direct answer to the Min Bimino issue. But what about a sponge? Rashi goes through biologically explaining what a sieve is. It's a sponge, sounds like. Okay, so you have something that's absorbent and it's inside the bowl. The fact that it's absorbent, does that mean that it's not going to be chatzitza? So let's see. Kiba Saddam, you use that bowl to kabal Saddam. Ma'u, what's Allah? Now, this, right, is a very, it's the opposite kind of question. It's min bisheino mino, which normally would be chotzitz. But for the fact that this one is absorbent, so like it never really creates a full barrier, it's just like another foreign material in there. So I would have said it's chotzitz, but it's possible that it's not. The Gemara says, Maybe you could say, maybe it's so porous that there is no physical chatzitza. Or maybe just the fact that it's there makes it a, irrespective of its porosity, makes it not a chatzitza. I mean, it makes it a chatzitza. So, one way or the other, let's see. So, if Chisra tries to prove it as follows. Amalei, so we have a Mishnah in Para, Tanina. We learned the following. When it comes to the waters of the Paraduma that we've discussed in Masechus Yuma at various occasions, what did you do? You took a bowl and you took that water and now you want to spritz that water to be metaher temeim. Uh, but you have a sponge in there for whatever reason. So that's fine. Uh, you could take out all of the water until you get to the sfog. You know how to say, do you know how to say Bob Sponge in Hebrew? Uh, SpongeBob? Bob Sfog. Anyway, that's the, if you, if you don't know that, we have to have a talk. Okay, yeah, SpongeBob is Bob Sfog. Anyway, so, Achimagila Sfog. Now, that is, okay, so you see what's going on here? The water, you're learning a couple of things here. The water that's in the sponge you can't use, that's obviously bad. Uh, that's, there's chatzitza there. That's obviously unusable, I should say. But the water that's not in the sponge is usable for the procedure of the, ta- of the tahara over here. Which means that the sponge in itself did not serve as a chatzitza. So we're good. Because it's porous. However, the problem is that it's water. Says the Gemara, shiny maya de klisha. Yeah, water is much more, it's much less viscous than blood. Well, you can't bring a rye from one to the other. Water gets into everything. Uh, blood has greater surface tension or whatever, viscosity. So, so some say that, that really water and blood might be uh, similar in the sense that they're liquid, but what they're, Rami Bachama, some, according to some sheet um, version said, Badam Kasher, that you could in fact use a sponge for in a bowl that has blood, become it's possible. But obviously for flour, ground as fine as it may be, it's obviously, it's a solid, and therefore, for that, a sponge certainly would be a chatzitza with regards to the comates. Comates here is referring to the comates of the mincha offering, the fine flour, and for that, it would be pasal. Good. Ad Khan Ahmed Aleph. We now turn to Nechesim Beis at the precise time of 6 a.m., and we have a new Mishnah. The Mishnah says the following. What's going on? We're continuing with the avoda. The Kohen Gadol did the Hazar Saddam. What is he doing now? We already quoted this Pasuk. 
He's going out into the Mizbeach HaShel Hashem, which is that? The golden of Mizbeach, the inner Mizbeach. He goes out to do the Nesina, and we already know what he's going to do because we just discussed it, the Nesina Sadam, smearing it onto the corners of the Mizbeach HaPnimi. says the Mishnah, Zeh Mizbeach HaZav. That's referring to the golden Mizbeach because it says Lifnei Hashem. That's what tips you off. It's closer to the Kaddish Kadashim. Here he goes. Hizchil Mechate V'yoreid. He starts to daub it downwards on the corners of the altar. The mixture, as we discussed with regards to the sheet of Rabbi Yoshe, the mixture of the Dama Par and Dama Seir. Where is he going to put this down? Mehechonumatchil. Where does he start? Mikaren Mizrachis Tzfonis. He starts with northeast and then Tzfonis Maravis. Okay, so as he faces it, if he were to face it and walk around, he starts with northeast and then he goes to northwest, which means he's walking to his right. That's okay. That's counterclockwise, but it's okay. You're walking to your right. So it's northeast, right, northwest, Maravis, Dromis, southwest, and then Dromis, Mizrachis, and then southeast. And an interesting fun fact that where he started in the Mizbech HaChitzon, if you recall, because we already discussed the procedure of Nesina Saddam on the outer Mizbech, prior to this, where he does a typical, right, Chatas on a regular day, so he starts in the southeast corner. We already talked about that. And it makes sense because he's walking up the ramp, the ramp is to the south, and you have to turn to the right. So, of course, if you're walking up the ramp from the south and you turn to the right, the first corner you're going to get is the southeast. That's when you do a regular Chatas on the outer Mizbech. But here he's not in the outer Mizbech, he's in the inner Mizbech. So, fun fact, he finishes in the southeast. He doesn't start in the southeast. In other words, in the outer Mizbech, he starts in the southeast uh, for the reasons we just explained. And in the inner Mizbech, he starts in the northeast and ends because of the direction he's going in the southeast. So, we'll discuss in the Gemara why he starts in the northeast. But let's continue in the Mishnah. Rabbi Yezer Omer, uh, different thing, something that we alluded to already. You know what? In the outer Mizbech, he's walking up a ramp, he's walking all around, it's a big Mizbech. This is mini Israel Mizbech. He just could stand in place, literally, and just smear it in place without having to even walk at all. And here it's explaining that you could, on all the corners, apply the blood in an upward stroke from top to bottom, except the corner in front of him, where you have to do a downward stroke. Rashi explains why. Because really, the upward stroke is better, but if you do an upward stroke on the corner that is closest to you, you're going to get blood on your tunic. And therefore, we don't want to soil it, and so... That we'll discuss in the Gemara anyways, but that's what the mission is referring to. But be that as it may, Rabbi Lezer holds that he's standing and he's not even moving, he's just smearing it on mini Israel, on the inner Mizbeach, uh, in his place without walking around at all. Fine. So now let's talk about after. After you put the blood, the sprinkle of the blood on the corners, he's Then he goes back, and the Taharo here. Is what, what's the taro? It's the exposed top of the mizbeach, as Rashi explains, seven times. You sprinkle it on top of the mizbeach azov seven times. Veshayare adam. So now you, if you have any blood left over, what do you do with it? So that you pour out. Now, where are the spouts? The spouts are outside, right? They're outside in the chatzar, in the outer mizbeach. There is a yesod, as we already discussed, the base, 
the base has a corner. It's the southwest corner. When that southwest corner has two holes, one on the western aspect of the southwest corner and one in the southern aspect. So the blood, he, quote, he, he pours it on the western aspect of the southwest corner and Vishal Mizbech and Vishal Mizbech Chiton Dromi. Right? And then the, all the sacrifices that were made, all the leftover blood of any sacrifice that was made on the outer Mizbech, at that point he pours in the southern Right in the second hole, which is on the southern aspect of the southwest corner, and elu elu mis arvin be'ama, and the the way the plumbing of these two holes worked was that even though you poured it down the mizbeach, they do join in. They have a joint where they mix together in a canal under the mizbeach v'yotzin l'nachal kidron, which goes out and empties into the nachal kidron v'nimkaren leganadin lizevel. And then you sell that blood to the gardeners for fertilizer, umo alim behem, and you bechayev me'ila were you not to sell it. The Mepharshim explained. In other words, right, this is blood that was used in the base of Mikdash, and it's Kodesh. You have to dispose of it or use of it properly. You can be it, so to speak. In other words, if you buy it, then it's not me'ila. But if you don't buy it, it's me'ila. Okay. So now the Gemara is going to discuss the difference between uh, the internal par um, services and the par Yom Kippurim. They're both similar in that you spritz towards the curtain and then you do the mixing and then you place the mixture on the Mizbeach. But we'll see that you end up um, sprinkling towards the cur- curtain from different distances. As we say as follows. Tanur Rabbanan, says the Gemara. So we already quoted this Pasuk. It says, Asher Lifnei Hashem. Right, so he goes out. Where does he go out from? Ma Talmud Loma, where is he teaching you? Where is he coming out from? Where, because it could have just said, right, that he, that he goes on his back with Hashem. The word Vyatza means, makes it, implies that it's going out from somewhere. Since we know that, that that's referring to the Pchatas of the Kohen Gadol, Kohen Gadol, right, has a bull uh, that he brings, right, to the power that he brings for a chatas. So we know over there, Shekoin Omed Chutzla Mizbech, Umaze Ala Paroches Peshash Umaze. Right, we, we know that he's, when he's sprinkling that, he's, he's standing, right, towards the curtain, right, and he stands outside the Mizbech, and he, and he sprinkles it towards the, court, the curtain. We already discussed that in the previous Mishnah. Okay. So Yachal Av they can. So we might have thought that in Yom Kippur, right, that this that this Yom Kippur um, korban is also performed in the same way. Talmud Lomar v'yatsa elamizbech. No, that we are talking about that he goes out, and it's a little bit different. It's outside of where we did before. What is that? Hechan Haya. So where was he doing it before? Where is he doing it now? It sounds like in apparently in the in the first case. Right, lifnim min hamizbeach. They were standing closer, right, between the mizbeach and the curtain. So what's going to end up, what we're going to end up saying is that, right, that with regards to the original Yom Kippur, um, uh, Korban, he's going, he stands as we thought. This is part of what we learned. This was, uh, the subject of Rabbi Gross's Ion Shir, is that he's standing very close to the curtain when he's doing that hazah. However, with the with, with the following azab, when he yatzal mizbech shalif Hashem v'chiper alav v'lakach midam par midam seir, when he does the mixture spritzing, which is afterward, after he does the azaz, for that when he stands further back. 
So it's the difference between a layup and a three-point shot. He stands further uh, by the Mizbech. We're going to develop this now. Let's see. We have a second b'risa uh, talking about where he's standing. Tanya Idach, another b'risa. Lifne Hashem. What does it mean, Lifne Hashem? Right? So we're talking again about the chatas of the coin Gadol. So it says, Mat, the par chatas of the coin Gadol. Ma Talmud Lomar. What is it teaching? Amar Rav Nechemia. Right? Um... This is similar to what we said before, right? We're saying the same limud, but different source. Just like we said before, that when it comes to Yom Kippur, that the, the blood of the par and the blood of the seir of Yom Kippur, you're standing like literally right in front of the parochas and you're doing dunking lines or layup lines uh, and, and, um, and sprinkling it from very close up towards the kaporas, Right? Uh, the paroches, rather. Yachol afzeh ken. It could be taught that that would also be true of the coin gadol's, uh, par current, right, uh, the, the parachatis of the coin gadol. Tamad lomar, mizbach katoris hasamim lifne Hashem asher ba'oel moed. That's what the Pasuk says, that where, that, that he's standing on the mizbach, where the, right, the katoris is burnt, which is in front of Hashem in the oel moed. What's the implication? Mizbech lifne Hashem. Right, the Mizbech is in front of Hashem, but ain't going lift Hashem. There it is. That in other words, the Mizbech is closer, right? The implication of the Pasuk and the way it's constructed is that the Mizbech is closer to the Kaparis than the, than the Kohen is. Which is to say that when he does that sprinkling after the Hazal Saddam, that sprinkling is from further out. So that one's a three-point shot. Same limud, but different source. So we see he's standing further out for that hazah. Fine. So now we're back in the inner Mizbeach, and the Mishnah said, Hitchil Mechatavi So it begins to smear it downward. Hitchil Wait a minute. Where is he starting? Mikarim Mizrach is Dromis. So let's discuss this. Why is he starting from the southeast corner? Dromus, then he goes Dromus Meravis, right? And then he goes, he still goes in the counterclockwise where he's going to the, oh wait, no, so this is Divir Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva says he starts from the south, um, we, the, he still says that he starts from the southeast, but Rabbi Akiva is going in the other direction. Look at this. He's going to the southwest, and then Maravis Tzvonis, and then northwest, and then Tzvonis Mizrachis, right? And then, and then northeast. Rabbi Kiva, he's going clockwise. He's going to, to, right, as you face, you have to look at it as you face the Mizbech, that's going to the left. How's Rabbi Kiva going to the left? We will see. Rabbi Yossi Galilei, however, Omer, Mikar and Mizrochus Tronus, they both start, uh, he starts from the northeast, right? Rabbi Kiva held that he starts from the southeast. Rabbi Yossi Galilei says he starts from the northeast. And then he goes Tzfonis Maravis, and then he goes to the northwest, and then Maravis Dromis and Dromis Mizrachis, and then southwest, and then north, and then southeast. So Rabbi Kiva again is starting from the from the southeast and going uh, clockwise, which is to say he's going to his left, and Rabbi Yosei starts from the northeast and he's going to his right. So what's going on here? The Gemara points out, Just to orient yourself, right? Rabbi Kiva started in the southeast, so he finishes in the northeast. So Rabbi Kiva finishes in the northeast. That's where Rabbi Yossi Aglili starts. 
And Malcolm Shah Rabbi Akiva Matchil Shum Rabbi Yosiaglili Poslik. And conversely, right, Rabbi Akiva starts in the southeast, that's where Rabbi Yosiaglili finishes. So what's going on? Why do they all hold? So the Gemara answers, the Kulayama Everyone agrees that the Kohen Gadol uh, does not low avid. The Kulayama Miha low avid. That's an interesting observation. Remember, remember, when you did the, when you did the Hazah in the outer Mizbech, you, everyone held that you started from the southeast corner. And that's because you were walking up the ramp from the south, and you know that you're supposed to usually walk to the right, at least we thought so, we'll see that that's addressed. So if you walk to the right, the very first Right, the very first corner that you hit is the southeast corner. And we know, Ein Mavirin Ala Mitzvos. We know that you're not supposed to just bypass that. But here, what the Gemara is pointing out, that both Rabbi Yossi Aglili and Rabbi Kiva hold, that you bypass the first corner. How so? Because where is the Kohen Gadol coming from? He's coming from the Kodesh HaKadashim. And he's coming out. And whether you hold that he's putting it on the northeast corner. Um, or, right, like Rabbi Yossi Aglili says, or he hold that he puts it on the southeast corner like Rabbi Kiva says it. Either way, it's on the eastern aspect of the Mizbeach HaPnimi, which is the far end. So how are we allowing this Kohen Gadol on his way out of the Kodesh Kedoshim to bypass the corners on the western side, which are closer to him? My time up. What would be the reason for this? Ask the Gemara. Amr Shmuel, Amr Kra, V'yotza El HaMizbeach. They learned from V'yotza El HaMizbeach, Mashma, that there is a special limud. Viyatza means that you bypass the Mizbech. There's a special Xerosakasov, so to speak, that you bypass the western aspect of the Mizbech and you start from the far end. Good. Twelve lines up from the bottom of Chesim Bays, we say the following. Wait a minute. What's going on? I understand. There's a machlokas for whatever reason, whether you start from the northeast or the southeast. But the problem isn't just that. Within Shitas Rabbi Kiva, Kohen Gadol's walking to his left. Didn't we learn that you're supposed to always walk to your right? So how's Rabbi Kiva, uh, so the Gemara suggests, he should also have him walking to his right. Let him start in a different corner, but let him at least walk to his right as we thought you're supposed to. So says the Gemara, Maybe we have to say that Rabbi Kiva argues with Rabbi Baruchaskel. Rabbi Baruchaskel is the shita that is attributed to this whole idea that we have gotten accustomed to of having to walk to your right. The Amar Rabbi Baruchaskel, because there was a Brisa. Um, this is Rashi points it to Zvachim Yom Shasa Shlomo. That's talking about the big copper. Uh, I think it was made out of copper, right? Basin, yeah. Which Shlomo Melch built. Beautiful giant pool over here, used as a mikvah, right? Omed al Shnei Masar Bakar. Right, it stood on twelve oxen. They faced outward. Right, there's twelve total, each three on each of the four corners of the earth, so to speak, facing uh, each of the four directions. And right on top was they were they were like the stands. Those were the very cool looking legs of the basin, and all their backs were inward, which is to say they're facing outward into each of these four directions. Well, what does this mean? Incidentally, look at how we mention all the four directions of the earth. We go, right, uh, north, and then uh, Yama is east. So we go north, and then east, and then south, and then 
Uh, I'm sorry, north and then west, rather. I'm sorry, I'm sorry the, uh, the ocean is to the west. It's not the Atlantic Ocean, it's the Mediterranean Sea to the west. Right, exactly. Okay. So north and then west and then south and then east, which is to say as you face the Brecha, you're turning to your right. Anyway, so right, Rami Brecheskel had this idea, God bless you, that since that's how you walk around, that, and that's how, that's the order in which directions are mentioned. So from there, you have the source that you walk always to your right. Mar Islay the Rami Berecheskel. That's the conclusion that Rabbi Yosei Aglili must hold like Rami Berecheskel. Whereas Omar Leislay the Rami Berecheskel, Rabbi Kiva was not so impressed with that drusha. He got hold of that drusha, and therefore, he doesn't think you have to necessarily walk to the right every time, bless you. Says the Gemara, Lo, you can't say that. That wasn't a controversial shita of Rami Berecheskel. Everybody held to that. The Chulin Alma Yisrael of Rabbi Cheskel, everybody holds of that. No, the Machlokas from Yosef Glili and Rabbi Kiva is Mar Savar Yalfinan Pnim Michutz. The Yosef Glili holds that just like in the Chatzer, you have to walk to the right, even in the Mizbeach Hapnimi, you certainly would have to also go only in that direction to the right, right? Because again, the Gemara is explaining why the ramp has to be in the south. And it making all of the applications to the outer Mizbech. And so the question is, does that have to necessarily also apply to the inner Mizbech? So Rabbi Yosef Galili said yes. But Rabbi Akiva said no. That just because we say so for the outer Mizbech does not necessarily mean that Rabbi Yosef's principle, which he does in fact hold of in the outer Mizbech, but he does not have to apply it to the inner Mizbech. Now, the Gemara asks, So I can understand. Let's say he doesn't hold that the outer and the inner is have to be uh, the same. However, however, right? The question is still within Rabbi Kiva. So let's say he holds that you don't have to have to go and move to your right every time. Why would he insist? that you will have to go to the left. That's the question. In other words, maybe it shouldn't be optional to go to the right. At least he should have the option. Why is Rabbi Kiva forcing him left? That's the question the Gemara has here. So the Gemara answers, Interesting. Interesting halacha. Remember we said that when the Kohen Gadol is coming out of the Kodesh Kedashim, he's bypassing the western corners to hit up the eastern corners, and so he, and that came from Vayetze, we had Xeris Akasav as such. It says the Gemara, yes, we passed the western cor- corners, however, however, once he passed it, it's not, it's like, we passed it, but it's not forgotten, right? In other words, it's like, um, right, if you miss, uh, it, it's very, actually very similar to when I'm, when I'm not here on Shabbos. So am I excited that I'm not here on Shabbos that I don't give daf? No, obviously not. I miss it. I wish I could be here on Shabbos to give the daf. But Rabbi, Rabbi Howard, I guess, gives the daf. Oh, Rabbi Rose now gives the daf. So Rabbi Rose gives the daf. So what can I do? So similarly here, you, pi- you bypass the, uh, the, the first chronos, but it's always in your mind, in the back of your mind. I, I got to get back to that corner. So what's happening? So you start from the southeast corner, and right away... You want to go back to the closest corner on the western side that you bypassed, which is the southwest corner, right? In other words, you're not going to go diagonal or you're not going to go up. Once, In other words, you made it to the east side, but you're not going to stay on the east side. You're going to go back to the west 
side at your earliest opportunity because you passed it over and it's always on your mind. And it is for that reason Rabbi Kiva wants you to run right back even though it means going left. The fact that you're in the inner Mizbech means that you could go left, right? Because you don't have to follow the principle of always going to the right in the inner Mizbech. And it is for that reason that you have the Machlokas. Rabbi Yossi Aglili holds that just keep it going to the right, keep it on the west side, and keep walking to your right and go from, and, and just go in, in the counterclockwise direction. Rabbi Kiva says, no, you bypassed the south, you by, by, bypassed the western corner, you go to the southeast, but now you're going to run back to the closest Western corner that you can, and even though that means going to your left and going clockwise, that's okay because we have this idea of you want to go back as quickly as possible to the corner that you bypassed. As it says over here, Medina Bahu Karen the Paga Beresha, that corner which you bypassed initially, Bahu Ovid Beresha. You're going to run back to that to do the Avoda. The Amoresh Lakash Ein Mavirin Ala Mitzvos. There it is. It's an application of the concept of Ein Mavir and Al Mitzvah, so you want to go back to do that mitzvah as quickly as possible. You don't leave it hanging. So why does he not indeed do the very first application there? If you hold of Ein Mavir and Al Mitzvah, does that not override any other consideration? No, because that was a beferish, as we already discussed, right? That was a beferish pasuk. The pasuk explicitly says that you have to be, you have to bypass that corner. But because of the concept of Einoavir and Mitzvah, as soon as you did it, as we described, you go back to it. In other words, as we said before, Yetzel Mizbech is that you have to bypass the entire Mizbech Apnimi to go to that, to that, uh, west, to that eastern corner first, but then you go back. But certainly, as soon as you did that, right, that placement of that first, um, that first Hazah, on the southeast corner, Hadar Asilahu Karen, the Yichayev Lamesa Beresha. You're going to go back to the corner that your Machayev to pass initially, were it not for the Xeris Akasav. And so it is there. Uh, that's the very last word on Chesam and Beis. We'll pick up with the first word on Chesam and Alf, Bezrat Hashem, tomorrow. Birthday.